Good morning. Hope you're having a fine Sunday morning. Welcome back to another edition of Miami Valley Voices on this Cox Radio Station. I am your host, as usual, Ron Rollins from the Dayton Daily News. And uh, I'm here in the studio with an old friend and uh, returning uh, guest, Bill Kennedy, who is the curator of anthropology at the Dayton Society of Natural History. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Ron. Thanks for having me in. Absolutely. Well, happy holidays to you and all that. And, uh, you as well. Uh, yeah. And uh, now... Um, the reason you were here last time was to talk about a special exhibition of of, uh, of uh, pottery pottery at the Boonshoft Museum yeah. of Discovery, uh, where 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 you also work. Um, this year we're talking about Sunwatch. We're, yeah. This month, uh, tell us what's going on at Sunwatch. Well, I'm working on uh, rebuilding some of the village at Sunwatch. Um, a lot of people may have heard of Sunwatch, but they've maybe never been there. What it is? Yeah, let's is, give them the heads up. Yeah. Uh, if you've a, never been there, shame it, on you. Yeah, if you've never yeah, been yeah, there, it's really I'm one disappointed. Of, in it's you. one of Dayton's very cool, genuine treasures. It really yes. is. But tell us why. It's uh, it's a very unique place because it's an archaeological site. It's about seven to eight hundred years old, and it is uh, it's not actively being excavated. But what we what we have done with it is we've reconstructed parts of this ancient village to show people what it was like to live there. It also has a, a museum with a, a visitor center and gift shop. And, a very cool and, little and, museum, uh, yeah. It's yeah. Neat. So Native American people lived there seven or eight hundred years ago. Exactly. Pre- prehistoric, basically. Prehistoric. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, the, what was they were the Fort Ancient people? They were the Fort Ancient culture, and yeah. that's a, a bit confusing because as soon as you say Fort Ancient. Everybody says, oh, Fort Ancient. I've right. been there. Right. They say, well, actually, it's a little <laughs> more nuanced than that. Yeah. The, this yeah, culture got named after a site that they didn't build. Oh, that's um, interesting. We also, we, so I work for the Dayton side of natural history. We right. operate four museums. Right. We operate Boonshoff Museum of Discovery. Number one. We have Boonshoff Springfield. Two, right. We have Sunwatch Indian Village Archaeological Park. Yep. And we have Fort Ancient. Down in Warren County. Down in Warren County, right. just outside of uh, Oregonia. Which is owned by the State Historical it's, Society, it's but owned you guys, by you guys manage it. Correct, yeah. and we manage yeah, it. Right. So the Fort Ancient earthwork is 2,000 years old, and right. it was built by the Hopewell people. Right. A lot of people would recognize that name. They're they're the, 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 the that's what Ohio is known right. for they're around the world. the quote-unquote mound builders. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. So they built this huge earthwork, but near that earthwork there are also some villages very similar to Sunwatch. So a hundred years ago, people didn't understand that there was this massive depth of time and so they named this culture after a site they didn't build because there were villages just like Sunwatch next to it. That's really interesting. And these people really had no direct connection to each other because you said there's like 1200 yeah, year difference exactly when they were living there um just as a brief aside what happened to the fort ancient people did they just sort of that's a great question uh, do we know exactly we we really don't know um the fort ancient people you know and and the name fort ancient again this is a name archaeologists uh right, right. have come up with because we don't know what they called themselves. Right. These are prehistoric. So by definition, that means before writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no way for us to know what their their names were mm-hmm. or what they would have called uh, themselves or their villages and mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. So we first start kind of recognizing and calling these people the Fort Ancient all throughout the Ohio River Valley, starting in around the, about the year 1000. Okay. And these people live all over the place. There's uh, probably at least a hundred villages we know of. And they may Ohio well have Valley. been descended from the Hopewell people. We just don't know. They right? may have they probably were. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we don't know that yet. But right. but there's a significant depth of time. Sure. Um, so somewhere around 1400 or mm-hmm. 1450, mm-hmm. right about the time Sunwatch is probably being abandoned, mm-hmm. um, these people 
they haven't disappeared yet, but they move out of Dayton. They move out of Ohio, mm-hmm. and they just start making a few larger villages, mostly in Kentucky and West Virginia. And so they, they continue for about another 200 years, and around 1650, mm-hmm. they disappear entirely. Really? And that could mean a lot of things. It could mean they left the area. Right. It could mean that they are living, that they have they've abandoned these large communities, that they're mm-hmm. living in such small communities that they're archeologically just Almost, have not been found. Yeah, yeah can't right. be found. Right. Um, and that that is very plausible. Small sites can be very difficult to sure. find, even a village. Well, because there's not much is left behind, right? Yeah. So what was left behind at Sunwatch? Well, um, Sunwatch was uh, up into the 60s. It was a family farm. The Vance family lived there. Right. And they were plowing this field. So anytime you're you're plowing a, a shallow archaeological site like Sunwatch and most of the sites in this area. You're destroying it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're destroying that first foot of the of the site. It, you're, yeah. And you're mixing it up. But artifacts will be brought to the surface. So right. things like stone tools, uh-huh. pieces of broken pottery, right. animal bones. And local collectors knew right. about that. Right. They, people that walk fields is a hobby. We should tell people we're in South Dayton along the Great Miami River yes. near the water treatment plant, right? Off exactly. River, off River Road? Uh, off West it? River Road. Right, okay. Um, and so uh, around 1971, my predecessor, Jay Heilman, mm-hmm. um, a name many people know, mm-hmm. um, he got involved because Sunwatch, that parcel of land, was had been purchased by the city mm-hmm. and it was going to be turned into a sewage treatment plant. And... Nick. Um, that was still the plan for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So the museum got involved and dug year-round with volunteer labor for several years. Wow. Most of the excavation took place in that first two or three years. The idea being to save whatever they could before the construction? Exactly. Yeah. They were going to salvage what was there. Right. Um, and over time, uh, by working with the city, and, and certainly to the city's credit, they altered those plans and mm-hmm. said, you know what? This is special. This mm-hmm. is different. Yeah. And this is worth preserving. Um, and there, you know, there are human remains there. There mm-hmm. are a lot of reasons why that should not have been turned into sludge treatment. Right. And so they changed their plan. And That's as a cool. result, the community now has something that it could have lost. So um, the way you know where the uh, area was was because the, the post holes of, that they dug left a mark, right? I mean, yeah. So when you're doing archaeology, um, you know, that first foot of soil, say, you know, typically any piece of farmland that can be farmed has mm-hmm. been in, right. in the last 200 years. So that first foot is not going to tell you a lot. There'll be artifacts in there. But when we get below the plow zone, that is when you find features. Which is about how, about a foot uh, A foot to a little more than a foot, okay. um, depending on uh, how deeply it's been plowed. Okay. So once you get below that, you'll find features, things like um, trash pits and post molds that show where the individual posts of a, of a wall or a house were. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, you find human remains, you find um, lots of things, uh, earth ovens and, and hearths in, inside the houses. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes people come to Sunwatch because we've reconstructed some of these features. Mm-hmm. They come to Sunwatch and you know that they have kind of missed the point when they go, wow, these houses are really well preserved for being 700 years uh, old. Yes. <laughs> That's not what's but going on. At least on. they're there. At least Once they're, they're there. there you at can least they're there. And then right. you can you can hopefully explain it a little better. As a very brief aside, when the uh, Pompeii exhibit came down to the uh, Cincinnati Museum Center yes. a couple of years ago, I, I overheard a, a docent trying with great patience and care to explain <laughs> to a lady who just simply could not understand the plaster casts of the bodies. Yes. Were they in there? And, and, and how could they get them out? 
Right. Right. <laughs> right. And the docent was very, very patient. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway. So, some people get it and some people take yeah. a little more time, right? <laughs> but they're um, there. They're visiting. They want to learn. you know, it's a credit to people to want to learn. That's it's right. Exactly. That they ask questions. Exactly. So uh, at Sunwatch, you've got these, basically, you can tell where the, the fence was, where the houses were. Yeah. Why is it named Sunwatch? Uh, originally, it was, it's actually had at least three different names. Originally, it was the Vance site because of the Vance okay. family. Yeah, makes sense. And then when it was under excavation, most archaeologists today still would know it as the incinerator site because oh. the city incinerator was there. I've heard that. I never knew that. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that, that's gone. But about where our front gate is is okay. where that used to be. There's just a small mound there um, showing where the incinerator was. Okay. So when in the late 80s, when a visitor center was added, the excavation was concluded, and it became you know, a, a destination right. for, for heritage tourism. Right. Um, it was renamed as Sunwatch because the entire village is laid out basically like a giant sundial. That's cool. Um, so the houses are, are part of that. Mm-hmm. The, the difference being that most of the time when people think about a sundial, a sundial is us- normally used to tell the time of day. Mm-hmm. And in this case, these people were using their village to um, tell the day of the year. Mm-hmm. So there was a big... Uh, cedar post right in the middle of the village and the shadow of that post points at different things um, that's cool around uh, throughout the village around the year that have to do with what like the solstice and stuff like that uh, exactly yeah. so uh, winter solstice which is uh, has just happened, just happened right yeah. before Christmas yeah. right. December 21st was definitely one that was significant to them wow. um, and winter solstice you know we can never know for sure what right. it meant to people that have left us no writing and things like that but winter solstice is something that people around the world observe. Right. It's the shortest day of the year, right. and it marks um, for some people a time of rebirth. Right. It's the beginning of a new cycle. It's right. it's kind of when you reach the low point of the year, right, right. and it's been getting cold, and it's a day where you look forward to things getting better. One thing um, it tells you is that they were smart. They were very smart. They were very smart. And and the fact that they didn't have writing as we know it, or that, yeah. we, that we were aware of, sure. you know, uh, does not mean that they sure weren't paying attention to a lot of stuff that still matters to us today. Exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so, you know, when the, when you, so describe the reconstruction. Um, yeah, well, what, you know, what do people see when they get out there? Uh, when, when you go out there, what you see are houses made out of um, uh, timber frames. Mm-hmm. Um, and where every time, everywhere at Sunwatch where you see a post sticking out of the ground, that's a post that we put in the exact hole that we excavated when we found a post mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you remember what we said earlier, a post mold is a stain where a post was 700 years ago. Anytime you disturb the natural matrix of the soil, it doesn't just disappear. Mm-hmm. Once you dig a hole in the ground, that hole, that disturbance in the matrix will be visible for centuries, if right. not millennia. That's cool. So we've stuck individual posts in those holes, and in some cases, we've rebuilt several of the actual structures. Right. So they are literally on the footprint of what was there seven, eight hundred years ago. So you've been able to pretty much figure out how it looked like, what the size was, where gardens were, where fences were. Yeah. Um, how many people lived there? Uh, it's a good question. One of the th- one of the, you know uh, the simplest way to answer it is a few hundred people, mm-hmm. counting children. And was that a sizable um, settlement? That was a sizable settlement because we have since, you know, back in the in the seventies or eighties, um, archaeologists would look at Sunwatch and we'd say Sunwatch is our typical example of a Fort Ancient culture village, mm-hmm. and. Um, now we know that those actually aren't the typical ones. There are many other smaller sites. Mm-hmm. Um, we have spent about 20 years working a site in North Dayton. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also one in Huber Heights and a few others oh, around Ohio. I didn't know Ohio. there was one in Huber Heights. Yeah, Ohio oh, State cool. had wor- has worked that uh, about three seasons. Is it like in a park or something? Um, yeah, well, it's on private land. Yeah, so. Um, 
So, and, and most of these sites are not uh, accessible to the public. That's sure. why Sunwatch is so unique. It's the only site like this right, right. where you can actually go and, and not only see it, but you know, most archeological sites just look like an empty field right, if they're right. not actively being excavated. Right, right. So if, um, so most, what do you, what do you learn the most from, from what they left behind? I mean, is it stuff that they left in their, is it graves? Is it uh, trash pits? Uh, um, trash pits are something that these people used a lot. They would dig these pits in the ground. So picture what would happen if you buried the Liberty Bell mm-hmm. in the ground, the shape mm-hmm. of that. From above, it would be circular, but mm-hmm. from the side, it would be small at the top and kind of sloping to be larger at the bottom. Imagine if you buried the Liberty Bell on the ground. Now take the bell away. What what shape would that cavity be? That's the shape of a of a storage pit that they'd store their corn in. How deep? Um, Maybe three, four feet deep. Not easy Um, to dig. Not not easy to dig, especially out there. Uh, The the geology out there is not fun (laughs) to dig. It gets very difficult once you get down to a certain depth. Just, um, just very like clay and rock. Clay and rock. Just, you can't dig through it with a steel shovel. It's so difficult. So what do they use? Um, generally, they kind of stop at that level. Um, but uh, they would dig these pits. They'd, they'd store corn in there. And then once they've eaten all the corn and kind of emptied that pit out, they would fill them back up with garbage. That's interesting. So when we say trash pits, they're actually their storage and trash pits. They right. start as storage pits and then they have a second life as right. a trash pit. So what you would find in their trash, the things that would preserve after 700 years would be um, stone tools, mm-hmm. um, pottery, uh, animal bone, mm-hmm. and in some cases, even things like eggshell and mm-hmm. crawdad pinchers because yep. it's really well-drained soil right. uh, and it's non-acidic. So you get really excellent preservation. And that's something that we have in this part of Ohio often that you don't necessarily get elsewhere. That's really cool. We should tell people what they're listening to. We're uh, here at Miami Valley Voices with uh, Bill Kennedy, who's the Curator of Anthropology for the Boonshoff Museum of Discovery and the Dayton Society of Natural History, and we're talking about Sunwatch uh, Archaeological Park. Um, so uh, what is it that you're working on now? Well, one of the things... All this is a very long lead up to why you're yeah. here. <laughs> right, right. But it's it's so hard to explain. It's like when oh, people yeah, ask yeah. me what I do, I'm like, well, that's hard to explain. <laughs> I'm an archaeologist slash lumberjack yeah. slash timber yeah. framer. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to explain. That's cool. Um, so one of the things that, that um, I've been doing the last few years on and off is rebuilding the structures at Sunwatch. Um, Which are now about 30 years old, right? Yeah. Some of these um, have have uh, aged considerably and it's time we've started several years ago it's time to really rebuild the entire village mm-hmm. um, we can only do that one structure at a time because uh, as we'll talk about in a moment it's an incredible amount of materials and labor mm-hmm. just to do one house mm-hmm. so what are you working on now I am reconstructing the big house which is the largest structure at Sunwatch a ceremonial place, uh, yeah it's a it's a um, it's a, it's a gathering place. Mm-hmm. It's a place that would be like a town hall and a church for these people. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not uh, a domestic home. It's, it's much, much larger. Mm-hmm. Um, and by prehistoric standards, um, this house is about 30 feet on the long axis by 20 feet. Mm-hmm. Now, today, that's maybe a three-car garage or a right. little bigger. That yeah. doesn't sound big to people today. It's a living room. Right. That's huge by prehistoric standards. Sure. Now, people built much larger things at other sites, but some watch, that's the biggest thing we have there. Right. So, um, and then what else, what other structures were there? There was, an, was it was just that building and then a bunch of houses, or were there some um, in between? There or? are several buildings we have uh, that are, 
that are uh, not domestic homes. Mm -hmm. So we have the big house, and right next to that is the men's lodge, mm -hmm. which is um, uh, just a, a few feet to the north of that. We also have the solstice house, which mm -hmm. is a house where the hearth of that house lines up with the winter solstice alignment oh. uh, that we were talking about earlier. And then probably most of the rest of the structures um, were domestic homes. Mm -hmm. But we also only have about 60% of the site excavated. Right. Part of it is destroyed by a utility line and part of it is still underneath the old roadbed of where right. West River Road used to go through right. the site. Right. Oh, I didn't know that. How many yeah. How many people would have lived in a house? Uh, we're, we're guessing because sure. we're looking at other cultures in the world to kind of come up with an estimate, right. but we'd say six to 10 people in a, in a typical domestic home. Right, right. Um, and these homes are not large. Right. Uh, the, the actual homes are, are much smaller than the house we were talking about. Yeah, like 12 by 12 or 15 by um, 15 maybe? Or? Yeah, maybe up to, um, I, I think everything in metric. Because <laughs> right. I'm an archaeologist. You're a scientist. So yeah, I'm, trying to, yeah. I'm trying to switch things in my head, but let's say like 15 by 20 feet. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, because of the type of architecture, small changes in square footage mean massive changes in material and labor. Right. So they kept them as small as they could. So were they built with a wooden frame and then yes. uh, plastered over with mud or stucco or something? Yes. And then a thatch roof. Correct. So talk about, talk about the construction. So um, the house that I've been building, the big house, has actually been built twice before. Mm -hmm. So this is the third time it's been rebuilt. First time it was built was in 83 and it lasted over 20 years. Did wow. a pretty good job. Good. It was rebuilt again in 2003. Um, there were problems with how it was rebuilt then, and the, the big problem is really what wood species were used. Mm -hmm. You really have to understand um, forestry. What did they have available to them here at that time? Well, um, the, the, the staff that, that built that house, they used things like maple and hackberry yeah. and willow. Those are all native woods, but they're not decay resistant. Oh. They're not very strong. What do we think the, the Sunwatch people had? The, the Sunwatch people would have built most likely out of white oak. Okay. Um, white oak and hickory. Um, white oak was kind of their general multi-purpose wood because yeah. it's it's somewhat decay resistant, right. but it, it works well for a lot of different things. Right. It's a, a great species. Now, if I had white oak available to me, I still wouldn't build out of it. Um, white oak is a is a very important tree in our ecosystem, mm -hmm. and it's on the decline. Mm -hmm. um, so conservationally, it wouldn't be a good idea to do that. So what are you using now? I'm using black locust, okay. which is uh, a tree that is very decay, res right. very decay resistant, yeah. but um, that happens. It, it, uh, <laughs> the intrusion of technology yes, into our little recording studio. That. That's fine. <laughs> uh, it's very decay resistant. It's yeah. very hard for me to work it too. Where are you getting the material from? Uh, I am very fortunate to have tremendous support from Five Rivers Metro Parks. Yay, we love them. Yes, yeah. they they have always made Sunwatch possible. Yeah, um, they burn our prairies for us. Uh, and in this case, they allowed me to cut a tremendous amount of wood up at Weggers and Metro Park yeah. that uh, they needed to get rid of because it was black locust invading one of their prairies. Right now, you're using chainsaws. What were they using? Oh, uh, you bet I'm using a chainsaw. Yeah, they were using they were using stone. <laughs> they were tools? using stone axes. Oh, wow. um, so, uh, and Which when they felled really large trees, they felled it with fire. They yeah. didn't try to chop through it. They burned their way through. So it. I don't care how strong you are. Cutting down anything with a stone axe is not a simple thing. Not a simple thing. Have you tried it? Uh, we did an, an experiment um, where we cut down uh, some trees, and we were finding that it took 5,000 whacks with a stone axe to wow. get through a four-inch diameter tree. I think we're not doing it right as yeah. part of that. There must be something else. I wonder if, There's yeah, got to be may, some tricks to it. There, there are other people who've done uh, replicative experiments. There's yeah. a guy near St. Louis. 
um, that I intend to make contact with at some point. I hear he's cut down 3,000 trees with the same stone axe. Wow. So I think that guy probably knows a few he's things that I He's figured some things out. Actually, just using, most people today probably have not cut down a tree with a regular axe. I yeah. mean, I, going back to my old Boy Scout days, I mean, the, the, the Boy Scout standard issue yeah. red-handled camp axe exactly. was like a three-pound head or something like that, yeah. and it was not a, a heavy-duty axe. Yeah. And to cut down anything and we would only, we were only cutting up we weren't cutting down live trees sure. we were just cutting up firewood sure. with that stuff it's hard it's work it's really work it is and, work um, I would I would be fascinated wouldn't you love to go back and be able to watch what they did the way they did I definitely would I mean, must, I, that must, you must think about I that I do think about that an awful lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> how often do you find yourself kind of imagining that you're in their position like uh, you know I mean you're not time traveling but I mean yeah. how often do you kind of feel like you're there with them um, often because uh, I work um, I have some volunteer uh, support, mm -hmm. especially uh, the anthropology undergraduates from Wright State have been really important in this project, but I'm alone most of the time. Yeah. And when I'm framing a house and I'm using the same hole to put my post in that they used, and I'm trying to figure out why they put something in a particular spot, mm -hmm. why something isn't working or, or what I need to do to make it work, it's those little moments that you can't really articulate mm -hmm. where you feel that connection and you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I see why they put this post hole here. Yeah, that's pretty smart. Um, yeah. So it's it's uh, it gives you a little perspective. I'm sure it does. Is there a, you mentioned a moment ago um, studying other cultures that we know more about because they're still with us? I assume. Sure. Uh, that that. Um, help you understand how things might have happened then. What are some of those? I mean, you've mentioned them. We've talked about this before, yeah. obviously. Uh, you mentioned when you were doing your thatching project a couple yeah. of years ago that there were some I mean, Polynesian or English or some, there, was, there, there are yeah. places where thatching is still done today. Oh yeah, Where thatching you feel like is, you can use that insight to extrapolate what they might have done yeah. 700 years thatching ago. Thatching is extremely rare in this country now. Yeah, um, there's a reason for that, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> it tends to go up in flames. Uh, and that's, yeah, insurance you companies. Know, when Blame we it on the insurance companies and the lawyers. Picture a, picture a thatched uh, roof. You're probably picturing it in the rolling uh, English or Irish countryside. Right, right. The reason why is because all the thatch that was in the cities burned down right, a exactly. long time ago with the rest of the city. Exactly. Uh, that's why it's still around in so, in the the so country. We don't have wooden roofs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had we did have a thatching tradition in the early colonies, mm -hmm. and of course with the Native Americans in the eastern U.S. they they thatched. Um, but one of the fascinating things about thatch is how similar it is around the world mm. um, because it doesn't really correlate with time or with geography it correlates with materials mm -hmm. so if you're using the same kinds of materials and in this case we're using um, stiff grasses or things that are like reeds mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where in the world you are mm -hmm. Japan Africa Ireland southeastern United States you install it the same way. That's really interesting. Uh, that's why I work with an Irish thatcher, and he can right. He can thatch a Japanese house or a Native American house. That's really cool. What do you use to? What's what's your binding material for the frame? Um, it's a wood frame. So what are you a, using? It's a wood frame. So one of the things that has made this project so difficult is that I wanted to build it as close as possible to how I think the Native people did. Mm -hmm. um, you have to join the wood in some way. Right. If you don't have modern fasteners, if you don't have bolts and screws and nails and things like that or and hangers, tough, yeah. you've got to have a way to join wood. And when you're dealing with hard wood, this is so different from modern architecture. Mm -hmm. The individual uh, logs that make up this house are very heavy. It's not like buying a, a, a two by four piece right. of pine, which right. is very light. Right. So there's tremendous amount of tonnage 
that has to be transmitted to the ground. You, you can't do this and not understand principles like thrust and compression and, mm -hmm. and wood joinery. And I, I assure you that the native people did. Right. They understood everything about architecture and construction concepts as anyone working today. Right. They had to. They couldn't build at this scale if Which they did Which is didn't. very cool. And it makes you wonder sort of how in a, in a, in a, in a pre-writing culture, if that's yeah. what they were, how yeah. that was transmitted uh, from generation yeah. to generation. It, it, it obviously was, but, yeah. you know, that's... They, they, they had been building structures, you know, including large ones for more than a thousand years before Sunwatch. Yeah. Yeah. So there were long traditions of woodworking and... Mm. Um, and they didn't have steel tools, so that makes things very difficult too. That's why yeah. it's hard to find parallels. You can't find an exact parallel to right, this right. type of architecture in anything, historically or modern in the world. You can find parallels to parts of it. Right, right. Um, so when I join these, when I join these elements together, what I'm basically doing is a very crude mortise and tenon. Yeah, okay. And let me tell you, that's not fun. That's not in easy. Black locust. No, it's not at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very dense wood. Yeah. They uh, they say black locust has a smell when you work it. Woodworkers do. Yeah, yeah. It does have a smell. It's yeah. the smell of your drill motor burning out. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a couple minutes left. How much longer will this construction project on this house last? A uh, little hard to say because we're weather dependent. We are thatching the roof right now. Okay. So my my thatching contractor William Cahill is mm -hmm. in town. We I just came from there. We've just put the third row That's cool. of thatch on the roof. And people can um, come out and watch you guys work. They can right? come out and watch us work. And uh, hours and stuff on the Sunwatch website. Yeah, hours and, and uh, stuff on the Sunwatch website. Um, and also, you know, you can always if you uh, if you like Sunwatch's Facebook page, one of the things you can see on there is uh, we shot an, uh, some footage this past weekend with a drone. That's an aerial view of the house we're working on right now. Oh, that's cool. So there's about a 30 second video there. It's pretty. Oh, cool. I, I will go look at that. It's worth. Also, checking we should out. mention too that uh, my colleague Connie Post um, did uh, a story on uh, all this that uh, people can find at mydaytondailynews.com and also yes. at dayton.com. Yes. Uh, so a little bit more information about this. Oh yeah. Um, uh, how long did they? How long do we think Sunwatch as a village was a village? How long did they stay? It's a good question. We debate these questions a lot I in archaeology. Yeah. Um, it used to be, and some of the some of the interpretive materials at Sunwatch will s still say this too. It used to be we thought people only lived there twenty, thirty, mm -hmm. maybe fifty years at the at the outmost. Mm -hmm. That's probably true for many of the villages, mm -hmm. that, like those smaller ones we've been working on. They mm -hmm. talked about. But places like Sunwatch, we now recognize that these aren't the smallest villages. These are the hubs of a larger dispersed community mm -hmm, across mm -hmm. multiple villages. Mm -hmm. So people, we, we, we have good evidence now that really suggests that people lived at Sunwatch for at least a century. Really? Um, oh, I've never heard that. Maybe That's even a bit longer. How did they not deforest the area? They're using um, a lot they, of They wood. did, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's why people generally didn't stay along these yeah, villages. Yeah. You exhaust the soil, you exhaust the game, you exhaust <laughs> the wood. Um, and uh, after a while, it becomes easier just to relocate the whole village. In other words, people are people and always have been. <laughs> yes. People like to say, oh, Native Americans lived in perfect harmony with the environment. No, they used everything up. They used everything up, yeah. just like everybody does. Yeah. Now, from a long-term perspective, it all depends on how you want to look at it. Sure, yeah. In the short term, you'd say, wow, these people are devastating the local environment around their village because they're taking everything there is and then they move on and do it again somewhere else. Right, right. But from a larger perspective, they're, they're slash and burn farmers. That sounds like negative, it sounds yeah, bad. Yeah. Slash and burn farming means you you move into an area, 
you farm it and remove the woods and you keep expanding until you've used it up and then you move into a new location and eventually you make your way back around. That's pretty You cool. keep moving. So from a long-term perspective, you say, well, it, it, it's a way of kind of renewing the environment yeah. by letting it go fallow. That's cool. So, will, you, will you come back sometime and talk about this again? I'd, I'd love to. That's cool because we're out of time. I told yeah. you it goes fast. I, it does. Uh, people can learn more at the Sunwatch website and on the they Facebook can. page. Cool. Uh, I wanted to just thank... Uh, um, the Ohio History Fund, which is, uh, uh, they supplied a grant that's helping pay for this roof. That's a taxpayer optional checkoff Excellent. on your state taxes. I hope people contribute to that because it's brought some money into this community. That'd be great. It's a great thing. We've been here with Bill Kennedy from Sunwatch. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Thank coming you. in. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, too. Happy holidays. Uh, indeed. And uh, we'll get you back on uh, sometime this summer talk about this stuff some more. Sounds like fun. Sounds good. Thanks, Bill. This has been Miami Valley Voices. I'm your host, Ron Rollins. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week.